I imagine that it's going to be challenging over the next, you know, year as I kind of settle into a new phase of life for me. But I have so much gratitude for everything that it's been. And I think that if I didn't feel some type of way, I think that's just an expression of, you know, how much I I loved it. everybody. (laughs) I'm having a dance party over here. Emily Abadi bringing you the first episode of season 12 of Hurdle. I, my goodness, if you told me four and a half years ago when I started this show in my fourth floor walk up on the Upper East Side with nothing, no expectations, but to try something new that we would be over 530 episodes deep and I would have had the opportunity to talk to some of the most outrageous humans and learn from them. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know if I would have believed you. I can't believe we're here, but I'm so happy that we are. And I'm so grateful that you are along for the journey. If you're out of the loop and you are listening to this voice right now, then you are officially a hurdler. That's what I call my audience. And again, I am back today bringing you season 12. You are listening to Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential and, of course, have some fun along the way. Y'all know the deal. Season premiere means we've got to do it big. And what bigger way to do it than with the most decorated track and field athlete of all time, the GOAT, Allison Felix. That's right. For episode 221, we are going in with a true track and field phenomenon. I list all of her accolades in the first 10 seconds of the podcast, but she also happens to be the co-founder and president of Seish, a mom and an enthusiastic activist for women's and maternal rights. Worth noting, this is Allison's second appearance on the show. So if you want to get caught up to speed, I'm going to link her first appearance in the show notes. For today's conversation, Allison talks to me about retirement. Yeah, I feel like there's a massive, uh, what's the word, like changing of the guard right now in women's sports. And it's definitely making (laughs) me feel some kind of way. So many of my favorites, Serena, Allison, Sue Bird. These are only a few, but all of them dramatically impacting the future of sport, period. Which makes it pretty appropriate that a large chunk of our conversation today is talking about the concept of legacy and how what she thought hers would be, let's say five, 10 years ago, is completely different than what she hopes it will be moving forward. Allison opens up about the difficulties that went hand in hand with speaking out against Nike in that famous New York Times opinion piece and taking a stand soon, joining Athleta as a sponsored athlete and ultimately starting her own company with her brother, Wes Seish, where she is the president and co-founder. I ask Allison what it's like to have a really special relationship with her brother, how it feels to work together in business, 
And she also details something really cool that Stacia's doing with their maternal return policy, offering expectant moms and new moms a new pair of Stacia sneakers if they're an existing customer because, as you may know, women's feet tend to grow a half size during this time in their life and they want to accommodate them. All in all, lots of goodness in here. So delighted to have Allison back on the show. And truly, when I say iconic, that that doesn't even begin to scratch the surface. I'm going to make a call here. I'm going to be giving away one lucky hurdler, a hurdler hat. If you promote the season premiere, you share it in your Instagram story. Make sure to tag over at Hurdle Podcast. Tag me over at Emily Abadi. I will make the announcement at 6 p.m. on September 21st. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the weekly Hurdle newsletter. The link to do that is in the show notes. With that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Allison Felix. She's a, I, can I tell you how nervous I have been to get these numbers wrong? Okay. Seven time <laughs> Olympic champion, 11 time Olympic medalist. She's also the oldest U S woman to win an Olympic track medal founder and president of Sage mother, wife. How are you doing? <laughs> I am good. Thank, thank you for that intro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Did I get any of the numbers wrong? I wouldn't even be able to tell you. I, <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> I, I never know anything. <laughs> she is just one hell of a human. Basically, I should have just led with that. Needs no introduction. A lot of accolades. So excited to talk to you for the second time here on the show at an unbelievable time for you of arguably massive celebration. Is that how you're feeling now as a retired athlete? <laughs> yeah, it's been such a mix, you know, like a mix of emotions, like the whole last season was. I do. I feel good. I feel, you know, like I was really happy that I was able to do this final year and feeling excited for, you know, what's to come. What's to come. You know, some of the greatest things that have happened for you. Some may think those have been on the track, but I know from following along with you and listening to the conversations that you've been having on your podcast, Mountaintop Conversations with your brother, Wes, that you may not see your accomplishments on the track as the legacy that you're looking to leave. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I, it's funny. I think so much has changed for me. You know, I, when I was younger, it was always like, yes, the legacy that I want to leave is, you know, the times, the medals, like all of those things. And as I got older, it was like, wow, no, this is not what I thought it was going to be. It's not what I set out to do. It's about the impact that I could have, you know, off of the track. And now moving in the business world, it's like, wow, I want to have that be my legacy piece. And so I'm, I'm really thankful that there's like, passionate work that I'm excited about that's in the future. And, and Wes always tells me, my brother, he's always like, you know, your next act is going to be, you know, your greatest act. And, you know, it's a, a big act to follow, but I, I'm excited for, you know, all the stuff. A big act to follow. It's also an applicable lesson, I would say, to individuals who may not yet be ready to, quote unquote, hang up their sneakers. And let's also clarify, like, it's not like you're not... <laughs> <laughs> moving. I feel like, doesn't it feel weird when people are like, well, you're retired. 
It does. And like, especially now that I, I think I'm a week in and like I'm hearing it more and more. And it's like, I think you hear the word retired and it's like this idea that like your, your, your feet are kicked up. And I'm like, I'm not really experiencing that. Uh, so it's a transition to other things, but um, yeah, it's different. <laughs> different. It's different. Well, what I was saying is that I feel like this idea of like thinking about it being bigger than the time, thinking about it being bigger than just one race or one training cycle. Like that's such a valuable takeaway for so many individuals, regardless of where they are in their athletic pursuits, because it helps you think bigger picture, right? Absolutely. I think for a lot of us, like we focus in on one goal, you know, and for, for me, for a lot of my career, it was like, okay, I got to win a gold medal, got to win a gold medal. And I think when you zero in like that, like you miss all of these special moments that happen along the way. And um, you do miss the bigger picture of things. And I think there are so many lessons. And I wish I would have known that like younger on, because I think it just wasn't healthy to do that. And I missed out on so much. I'm grateful eventually I got there, but I just think the way that we think about things, you know, really has to shift sometimes. It can't be just solely about one performance thing. I love the concept of that podcast that I just mentioned, the mountaintop conversations. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. Something that Michelle Obama talks a lot about is like, you know, reaching the mountaintop. And a lot of times, you know, we have this idea of what it might be or what someone who we think has reached the mountaintop, like what it's taken to get there. And so we have had a lot of great conversations with a lot of interesting people who really kind of break that down. And a lot of times their mountaintop moment is not what we would expect. You know, um, it's not what the idea, you know, the path hasn't been, you know, this easy path. And it's just been really interesting listening to um, different perspectives on it. Yeah, I'm sure as I've listened to some of them as well, I found your perspective actually to be very helpful. This concept of almost reevaluating what you thought your personal mountaintop moment was. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, in zeroing in on a specific goal, you know, for me, you know, wanting to win a gold medal um, for so much of my career and really having built that up to, I thought like, okay, if I win this gold medal, like my life will not be the same. Like, you know, I just, I think I, I just fantasized it almost. And when it did happen, after a lot of hardship, after a lot of years, you know, my first two Olympic Games, silver medals, and then the third Games, it finally came together. And it did not feel like what I imagined it to be, you know, and I always thought that that would be my mountaintop moment. Like that would be the moment where I've reached the top, you know, the top of the top. And I think in, in understanding that it didn't feel like what I imagined, I had to unpack that. And it took some time. It took some years. And it was the idea of that, like, the magic was along the way. It was the disappointments, the failures, the growing, the stretching, like all of that was beautiful. And I don't think I embraced it enough. And now I look back and I think my actual mountaintop um, was probably last year competing at the Olympics, you know, making it back as a mother had nothing to do with the medal I won or the time I ran, it was about connecting with women who had been through, you know, similar situations and experiences and being able to share that and being proud of myself and, um, you know, celebrating those wins. So totally not what I would have thought. 
Yeah. I know that you said that that moment for you represented growth and finding your voice and becoming a mother. I would also say that that moment truly represents resilience in every single aspect of that definition. When you stop and look at your career, what would you say the trials and the tribulations really taught you about resilience and its importance? Yeah, that you just can't give up. And it sounds like so simple and kind of cliche, but I think it taught me to be a fighter. You know, I think there were so many times I was facing situations that seemed impossible and they didn't always work out like, you know, in a way that the world might feel would be successful. But I think there's always like a lesson and there's always something to take away. And I look at some of the moments where, you know, I got silver medals or I it was disappointment in kind of the eyes of the world, but it might have been exactly what I needed, you know, personally. It might have been in the process of growth, in the process of becoming. And when I look back and I reflect, I'm really grateful for those moments. And I think success looks a lot of different ways. And I think we're all on like this different journey and this different path. And um, and sometimes, you know, you it's going to look different for you. And so I, I really appreciate that about my career. I feel as though you're never going to wish that you had been less resilient, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're never going to look back on a hurdle that you overcame and think to yourself like, man, I wish I wasn't so good at navigating all of that (laughs) adversity. When you look back on some of the times that you really had to dig deep to show up for yourself when it felt absolutely impossible, does any particular story come to mind? Yeah. When you said that, I was kind of thinking about like, okay, situations that felt impossible. I remember, you know, 2016, the Olympics, I had these like super ambitious goals. You know, I wanted to compete in four events. I wanted to, you know, win four medals, like do all of these things. And I shared that with my coach and, um, we set out to do it and training was going really, really well. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I'm actually on the path to, to do this. Like I've never been in this good of shape. I've never been hitting these times. And, um, it was two months before our Olympic trials. Um, and I was in the gym doing an exercise that I do have done like a million times before, um, just a medicine ball between my legs. I was hanging from the pull-up bar, bringing the medicine ball to my chest. I finished the exercise. I dropped the medicine ball and I went to jump down and my ankle just completely collapsed. Um, I ended up tearing all these ligaments in it. And I was just like, wow, I don't think I've ever been in this position to be so close to a dream and then have it just snatched away. Um, And I could not see like the vision any longer. I was too wrapped up in the emotions of everything. And but my team, they just rallied and um, got me into rehab. I was like, rehabbing around the clock and, you know, preparing for Olympic trials. And it was such a, a road that to me felt impossible because here I was in like perfect shape and then I couldn't walk, you know, so I'm in the pool, I'm doing, I'm riding the bike, I'm like doing all these things. And I'm just like, this is pointless. You know, like, why am I doing this? We're, we're now like a month away from Olympic trials and I don't see how this could come together. Um, but somehow, some way, you know, by just doing the small, tedious things, um, I was able to get to Olympic trials, able to compete and able to make the team there. And to me, that was a one of those situations where like I, it was the team, it was everyone coming together. But um, 
you know, fighting every step of the way for just the little pieces of ground um, step by step. Yeah. And please, this firstly, so impressive, but also that concept of fighting every step of the way really resonates as well with your whole journey of speaking out about what happened for you in working with Nike. And then eventually, as we know the story, coming to uh, create your own company. I'd love before we start talking about Sage, just to acknowledge that chapter and probably the nerves and the terror that came along with speaking your truth, right? Because for you, I mean, I don't know about you, but in my everyday, like I have to like tell someone that I, goodness, like took the last apple at the grocery store and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. (laughs) So to think about the idea of speaking your truth, going up against a Goliath, how did Mm -hmm. talk to us about that? Yeah, I was terrified. Um, It was so outside of my comfort zone. I, you know, I've been that athlete that I've like, I've been hyper focused on performance. Like I never want to rock the boat. I've been, you know, I think I'm shy by nature. Um, And so when I got in this position where I wasn't fully supported through my pregnancy and I got, I had the opportunity to share that and to share my truth. I was so on the fence about it because I was so worried just about, just being scared, like, you know, to speak up and scared what, how will this be received and what will the consequences be and all of the things. And I got to this point where, because all this was happening over the course of a long period of time, and I actually had my daughter um, and we had a very difficult birth experience. And so we had just came home from the NICU and I'm, you know, debating going back and forth. And then I got to this moment where I just looked at her. And I think because I was a mother of a girl, of a daughter, um, and thinking about the world that she's going to grow up in, like, that's where the courage came from. Like, it was nothing of myself. It was just like, this cannot go on any longer, like, without me at least sharing. Whatever happens from from here, like, I can't control that, but I can at least tell, you know, my story. And so I did. But um, I, I think, you know, on the other side of, like, all that fear is freedom. And I experienced that because it was like, it was terrifying. But once I did it, it was like this outpouring from all these other women who were supporting me, encouraging me. And then my heart even broke even more because it's like, wow, look at all the women who have also had a similar experience who could relate. Um, And then that was eye-opening of like, okay, there's work to be done here. There's work to be done here. And not to, you know, completely skip over a bunch of stuff, but I know that you're also really passionate about partnering with other organizations that are encouraging girls and women in sport as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that experience also just showed me, you know, the importance of, of mentorship, the importance of, um, you know, just not being alone. I think a a lot of that situation made me feel like I'm the only one going through something. I'm isolated. And I think that a lot of women feel that way. A lot of young girls feel that way. So the importance of saying like, no. So working with, um, you know, Viz and, you know, the work that they're doing with young girls and just saying like, we need to make this a priority and, um, and really support. Did you feel like that sense of freedom, so to speak, carried over, not just in, of course, your day to day, but also with how you were performing in your sport at the time? Um, I do. I think I felt stronger. You know, it was like kind of like, wow, if I've been through this, like I can do anything. And I think also just 
it allowed me just to be more vulnerable with myself. And even in a way of competition of saying like, you know, coming back from having my daughter, like it was very just kind of putting myself out there because I didn't feel exactly how I did before. You know, I I felt like I'm a different version of myself and that can be really scary as well, you know? And so I think in all the ways it was just kind of like, okay, like I'm going to just be my authentic, unapologetic self and um, just live in that live in that way. Live in that way. It's a good piece of advice for anyone, regardless of really what you're what you're getting after. But for you, getting after your final trip to the Olympics was <laughs> surely, as you said earlier, like filled with so many emotions, right? Oh, it was all over the place. I think, you know, I was in pursuit of it for so long. And I think a part of that was scary as well. I think no matter how long at least in my experience, it didn't matter how long I've done this, you know, like I still got anxiety. I still felt really nervous about certain things. I really wanted it to be successful in a different way. Now I almost felt like, well, I want to represent for all these women and for these mothers, but like, I've got to make this team and I've got to, you know, I've got to do all these things. And so it was hard in that sense. And, um, and then it was emotional and just like overcoming and, you know, dealing with all juggling all the different hats that I was wearing and, um, you know, wanting the, the company to be successful and just all of it. And so it was a lot, but I did feel very freeing once I got there that it wasn't like, it's not performance based, you know, like it's so much bigger than that. And I think that was also kind of a weight off my shoulders. Yeah. You know, you've mentioned, and I even kicked us off by referencing like so many of the different hats that you wear. Have you had an experience or maybe you could share a story about trying to pour too much into one bucket? I would Hmm. assume, I would assume that with you know, being a mom and also having a company and at one time pursuing all of these athletic feats that um, at times one thing kind of had to give a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely this past year, I really felt I felt it more than ever because I knew that, you know, I knew it was my final year competing. I knew that, you know, um, I'm stepping into a bigger role at Sage. And I think, you know, there's moments where I just feel overwhelmed, where it just seems like it's too much. Like I'm trying to keep up with this intense training schedule, but I'm also trying to do all of the things, you know, all of the meetings, all of the travel. Um, And I remember just kind of having this conversation with my husband and he was like, you've got to slow down. Like you cannot be everything to everyone until you take care of yourself. And I think it's just, it was a really good reminder as well that like I have help. And for whatever reason, I don't know why it's so hard for me to like accept that help, you know, wanting to do it all, but like leaning into my support system and also like saying no, that's really hard for me, you know, saying that, you know, I, I just can't do that right now, or I'm going to have to come back to it. You know, that's been huge for me. Um, I still am working on it, (laughs) Um, but that was big. And then just also like setting aside time for myself, you know, whether that's like just some moments at the beginning of the day, writing in my gratitude journal. Like sometimes I need the reminder that I need to do those things. It's not lost on me. The irony of someone telling you, Allison Felix, that you need to slow down. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, ha ha. (laughs) (laughs) It's true though. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So then, I mean, when you came out and spoke your truth to dial back a little bit, to Nike and the whole New York Times piece came out. At that time, did you even have the foundational idea of what Seish would become? 
No, I didn't even have the idea of Seish, you know, and at that time. It was just, it came about, you know, later than that. At that moment, I was just consumed in like, okay, what happens next? You know, now I've parted ways with Nike because of this. Eventually, you know, they changed their policy, which was amazing and great for, you know, the women who were coming up at that point. But for me, you know, it was like kind of like, well, I know that I'm still capable. Like, I know that I can make it back to the Olympics. But I'm in this position where I now I don't know where to go and I'm not feeling valued. I, I feel like I got to the point where I was just exhausted of like going to these different companies and, you know, trying to, you know, sell myself, see the value in me. And it was just like it wasn't happening. And then that's when in talking to my brother, it was just like I was venting to him about all those things. And he was like, well, what if we did this ourselves? And I to me, I think I felt like it just felt too big. You know, it's like, well, I don't think that we could do that for whatever reason, you know, and um, he really empowered me. I think also, you know, being around other strong women and having mentors in the business world that empowered me as well. And I was like, no, like, yeah, I can do this. Like we can create change. Like instead of asking somebody else, like we can do this ourselves. And so that's really when, you know, the idea was born and then it was kind of off to the races. (laughs) One of those like, why not me moments that we have like from time to time. Right. And it's funny, right? Because they still take practice. Like you showed up and ran so many races and came out on top. And it was like, you understood like, this is my capability. This is mine. I have this, but still another opportunity avenue idea comes down the pipe. And we all have these moments of like inherent self-doubt. Yeah. I mean, you can be so confident in another area, you know, like I would never doubt my ability on the track, but then moving into a new space and feeling, you know, really intimidated and just like, I didn't have that confidence at the beginning. Um, And it was like, you know, really having to look at myself and ask, ask myself why, you know, why would I not be capable of doing this? You know, I've been a runner for the past 20 years and I have incredible mentors and incredible, um, you know, people to work with and to build with. And so I think it was kind of realizing that and then, you know, being able to move forward and finding my confidence along the way. taking a break from today's episode to give some love to my sponsors. A note on sponsors, the only brands, companies, products that you will hear about on the show are brands that are in my regular routine. 99.9% of the time, if you hear about something on the show, I was using it first. They reached out to me and it became a really synergistic, exciting relationship and a way to help me bring more of the stuff that I truly dig to you at better prices with great deals. So with that said, the first one, Element. Not a weekend goes by that Element is not a part of my day, period, especially during marathon training season. Element, for those of you that may not know, science-backed electrolyte drink mix. It's got everything you need and nothing you don't. It is all the good things. It's plant-based. It's got no sugar, no gluten, no fillers, no sketchy ingredients, period. Let me tell you, it tastes great. I am a salty sweater, cute. I know. (laughs) And this is both 
equal parts salty and sweet. They've got so many flavors. My go-to, the watermelon salt, but you can't go wrong with some of their other tastes, including raspberry, orange. A friend of mine the other day told me she cannot get enough of the chocolate warmed up in the winter. Apparently, it's the perfect salted hot chocolate. It's on my bucket list to try now. But yes, so much goodness here. And especially important because hydration is important. Taking care of your nutrition, your body is critical when you're going after your big goals. Now, of course, Element has a great deal for you. Head on over to drinkelement.com slash hurdle to get a free Element sample pack with your purchase. Again, that is drinkelement, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot slash hurdle to get a free sample pack with your purchase. This is great because you can try all the flavors. And like I said, there's a lot to choose from. Also want to give some love to my friends at Open. I'm going to make a bold statement here. Open has completely revolutionized the way I think about my morning routine. It's a digital mindfulness platform that combines breathwork, meditation, and movement, and I have been hooked on their breathwork classes for a minute now. I do about a three to five minute class every single morning. I make my coffee, I walk to my living room couch, I sit down, and it's open time. And I just feel so much more clear and ready to take on whatever the day is going to throw my way once this is under my belt. And that is kind of crazy for me to say because I never thought that I would be a breathwork person, but this just fits. What I love about Open, they've got unlimited live and on-demand classes, including breathwork, meditation, yoga, Pilates, and more. Plus, you can bring a friend with you to any class with unlimited guest passes. Classes range in a wide variety of styles and lengths, so really it's accessible for every single person, no matter what your level of experience is. You've gotta try it, we've gotta take a class together. Head on over to withopen, that's W-I-T-H-O-P-E-N dot com slash hurdle, and get a 30-day free trial. Again, Open is giving Hurdle listeners 30 days free when you visit withopen.com slash hurdle. Let me know what y'all think, and I cannot wait to see you in class. You know, I love what you said in your TED Talk. You said you don't have to be an Olympian to create change for yourself and others. Each of us can bet on ourselves, which is really, you know, resonating with what we're talking about here because betting on yourself comes with some fear, right? So what's your (laughs) advice for someone who hears this and they're like amped and they're like, I want to bet on myself, but I'm so scared. Yeah. Where do they begin, (laughs) right? Where do they begin? Yeah. I think that it's okay to be scared. You know, even when I spoke out, you know, my brother had told me this, this idea of like, even if your voice shakes, like you can use it. And I held on to that. And I think I continue to hold on to those things. Like, even if you're scared or nervous about something, it doesn't mean that you're not capable or you can't do it. And so I think for a lot of us, like it might look different. Like it might not be shouting from the rooftops. It might be having a conversation with a friend or a coworker or, you know, being an ally to someone. Like, I think there's all these different ways that we can start to, you know, push for change in, 
you just our everyday life. Um, and so I think also when you're connected to purpose and meaning and you want to bet on yourself and you deeply, you know, have that conviction and believe it, I think that is like, that is that feeling that you're moving in the right direction, you know, because you have that belief system. Yeah. That belief system can be super, super powerful. I feel the need to just like take a moment here to acknowledge the rare relationship you have with your brother. Mm-hmm. It's so special to not only have someone that supports you and cheers you on, but sees you for all that you are and recognizes the potential that sometimes you don't see just yet. Talk to me about what that relationship means to you. Yeah, we've always had a really special relationship. I mean, we were the classic, like, fighting, arguing siblings growing up. (laughs) And then I think somewhere along the line, we're like, oh, we can be friends. And this is really cool. And, um, you know, we've gotten to work together in different capacities. You know, he's um, an agent as well. And so we we worked together, you know, in that way. And so we knew that we worked well together. And so now to be building a company together is incredible. But he's... uh, a true big brother, you know, growing up, he was just a fierce protector and he always spoiled me and it kind of carries over, you know, into a working relationship as well. Um, and now I think we just complement each other, you know, really well. And, um, we always laugh. It's like, we can finish each other's sentences at this point. And, um, but it's really fun to build together. And he's been on that journey with me. And, you know, when, I was dealing with all the maternal protections issues. You know, he was the one fighting alongside of me. And so a lot of times, you know, people ask me, well, how can a man be an ally and what can they do? Um, I think he's been the perfect example of that. You know, he's allowed me to use my voice. He's empowered me. He's encouraged me Um, in the company, you know, saying that I'm fully capable and standing alongside of me. So it's really been just um, incredible to to be able to work together, build together and um, do something we deeply believe. Last week, and it'll be just over a month by the time this episode comes out, but you recently ran that last hundred meter race coming in second. Can you talk to me about what you think about now when you think about that final run? Just how incredible of a day it was. It was a full circle moment for me. So Athleta put on this incredible street race. It was, we called it a race for change. And it was literally in Los Angeles. So I'm from Los Angeles and, you know, I had my first races there. And I just, in talking with them, we're kind of like, well, what can we do to kind of celebrate? And like, how would I want to do that? And I was like, well, like in a dream world, I would love to just be running in the streets of LA, have my community there, have all the people who I love and who have supported me, you know, be able to join in the day. And it was absolutely everything I wanted it to be. You know, it was the the race, but it was also, I hung out the entire day, just talked with people and, um, met people and kids got to race. My daughter ran. And so it was just this incredible celebration of all of the years. And um, I, it'll definitely be unforgettable for me. Unforgettable. So now as you shift into kind of assuming other titles or filling other buckets up a little bit more, what would you say excites you the most at the moment? 
I mean, my work at Sage is like is so exciting to me. You know, it's kind of that next great challenge. And I think of when I think about the competitiveness of track and field and looking to make sure like there's not a void in my life, I kind of see that playing the part. You know, I'm excited to just continue to grow and um, to find new ways to support women and to just be thoughtful in what we're creating. And so I'm really inspired by my work there. Um, I mean, the top of the top is like being mom and being at home and kind of things that I'm sure people feel like are really small have been really special to me, like uh, school drop off and making lunches and taking Cammy to gymnastics and kind of all of those things. Um, and then I'm looking forward to like somewhere along the the line, like a little downtime, a little vacation and um, just slowing down a bit. I was thinking just now, reflecting on how earlier you were talking about being scared to speak up and this saying that I revisit time and time again on the show about be careful that the sword that you use to help others isn't the one that you fall on. Mm -hmm. I'm sure in the wake of your action, you started to hear so many stories from so many women about their experiences. And I'm curious if at any time, although you were so content to be a voice for them and so proud to stand in your truth, that it got to feel like a lot. It's It was definitely heavy, I'll say, for sure. You know, I think in just listening to the stories, listening to the hardship. I think I did have moments where I felt like, can we do this? You know, like it, it just seems so much at times and it seems like such an uphill fight um, that it it is. Sometimes it can feel disheartening. You know, I think even just the whole situation that all of this occurred and 2019, you know, that's hard. The whole, the reproductive rights, you know, that are happening now, you know, that's disheartening. It just seems like sometimes you go through things and you take these massive steps backwards and that's really hard. And I think, you know, that's just a part of life. And that's a part of, you know, anytime I think you're trying to push for things to be different, you're going to have those moments. And I think it's good to acknowledge them and like feel those feelings because, they're valid. Um, but it is, it can be really heavy at times. I want to go back to the conversation that we were having about, uh, being more involved with Sage. I know one of the things you're really passionate now with Sage is the new, I want to make sure I get this terminology, right? Here we are. The new maternity returns policy, which allows expectant mothers who have previously purchased a pair of Sage ones, a complimentary pair of fresh, sneakers in a new size. That's pretty innovative. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the, you know, being able to have a team, you know, we're making shoes for and by women. So there's so many women who are at the table, so many thoughtful women, you know, and just wanting to do things differently. And I, I feel like our maternity returns policy is something that we would love to see the industry adopt, you know, and really push for that. Because a lot of people aren't even aware that, you know, a woman's foot can change sizes during pregnancy. And then that that change is like a permanent change. So um, yeah, just another way that we want to say like, we are here to support women. Not the only big thing, though, coming down the pipe from Sage. Like I mentioned to you, this episode coming out in late September. So I believe you have some news to share with us. 
Yeah, we're super excited to be offering Sage 2. It is a beautiful, sophisticated shoe, still a lifestyle shoe. It's um, it's leather. It has really feminine printed laces that I absolutely love. I've been wearing them a lot with um, kind of, you know, elevated clothing and a little bit dressier. And so I'm so excited for people to experience this shoe. Um, It really kind of comes about with just the evolution of myself. And I've always been the athlete that's a bit more quiet and, you know, reserved. And I've found my voice over, you know, the the last couple of years. And so this shoe is more bold, you know, it um, really stands out there and it represents that. And with so much going on in the world, uh, you know, regarding women, you know, our company exists to support and to see women. And here's a, another way to, to say that we see you too. Yeah. And I know that it's bigger than just the products that you make. It's your mission to do just that, to support women. What else can we look to Sage for in the coming months? What else can we expect from the brand as the year continues? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're you're exactly right. You know, we are so much more than we don't look at ourselves as a shoe company. We look at ourselves as a company that supports and stands with women. And so we are excited to do more on our community front, um, offering more for our collective. We also have performance footwear coming next year. And so I'm really excited about that. Um, and just continuing to grow and to be thoughtful in the way that we're building for women. Competition is something that you are not a stranger to. And it's quite interesting that over the last 365 days, many sneaker companies are now finally following suit and creating sneakers on a woman's last. How does that make you feel? It actually makes me feel really great. I mean, that that was really the purpose of doing this, you know, um, and shining a light on, you know, the fact that shoes have not been made for women and a lot of companies aren't doing it. And so now to see, you know, Lululemon launch their, you know, their shoes for women, it's incredible because we've been saying that and we've been pushing for the industry to focus on that. And so for me, it's like, we're moving in the right direction and we want, you know, all the companies, all the big brands to, to be doing this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we've dabbled with the word, legacy a little bit here. Does that feel like something that is fully within your grasp at this moment, this idea that you are making a lasting impact on so many, both within your local community, but well beyond that? I mean, I hope so. I I had this moment um, a couple of weeks ago. I was flying and I got on the plane and the first woman I saw, I looked down and she, I'm always looking at what people will have on their feet. And so I looked down and she had a pair of Sage sneakers on. And it was like this moment, the first time that was like, nobody, I don't know this woman, no connection. You know, obviously I've seen the shoes on a lot of people, but I typically, you know, know, or they're a supporter or, you know, it's at a track meet or something like that. But here it was just, you know, in the wild and she had these shoes on and I was so excited. And so I went to go talk to her and she had this incredible story. And what touched me the most and made me just more inspired than ever was that 
yes, she loved the shoes and, you know, it was amazing to have a shoe for women, but she had a story and she connected with, you know, the purpose and she was standing with the mission. And to me, that's what it's all about. And when I think about the future, I hope that that continues to grow, you know, that story, that connection, that symbol that, you know, you're standing for equality, that you're standing with women. That's um, really what it's all about. Do you see yourself doing uh, or creating more companies in the future? <laughs> I mean, I absolutely am open to it, um, of course, you know, <laughs> long term. But um, right now, you know, Sage has my complete focus um, and it's my my big project. <laughs> when you say that, you know, you have a heavy hand in everything that's going on there right now, can you give us an example of like some of the stuff that you may do over the course of a regular week when it comes to your role over there? Yeah, absolutely. So I am leading up our partnerships and um, our collective. And so um, that looks like, you know, a lot of meetings, a lot of meeting with our team. You know, I'm heavily involved in the product uh, product um, development process. And so meeting with the teams there, all the updates, it's been fascinating learning this industry. Like, you know, with factory meetings and, you know, our samples and materials. And, you know, I've just been geeking out on like all of that stuff because I've, I've loved shoes since I was little. And so now the inner workings of all of it have been fascinating. Um, but then also just, you know, overseeing our team as a whole, you know, our all hands meetings and um, just one-on-ones with our, with our team. And just because at the end of the day, you know, we, being a, a mission-driven company is just making sure that we're all aligned on that. And it makes it really special because everyone is, and we have all these, you know, really purposeful topics to talk about and hold space for. And um, it's been fascinating now to work on a team, being that I've been, you know, working by myself for so long. It's just very refreshing and I'm having so much fun. <laughs> what's, uh, what's the last thing that you did for yourself? Ooh, <laughs> the last thing that I did for myself. That's a good question. It shouldn't be this. Well, actually tonight um, I'm getting a massage. And so I'm, I'm really excited about that. <laughs> I, that will be for Isn't myself. Isn't it so interesting though? Like we all know the things, right? Earlier you said, make sure that in my schedule, I make time for me. And it's like, mm -hmm. we know, like we, yeah. we have insight into the recipe, but that doesn't make it easier to always to follow do. with yeah. implementing it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's that's like the hardest part. It's like, okay, I know what to do. Now let me actually go out and do it. So I gotta be better. <laughs> <laughs> we all gotta be better. You obviously have nothing going on, so it's totally fine. <laughs> uh, do you feel a little bit sense of like obligation or excitement to be able to show up for your community in a different way than you were capable of before? Oh, absolutely. I think that's one of the things that I've been really excited about, you know, in being able to step back. I feel like I've had to say no so many times to different things, you know, different, you know, whether that's showing up for friends, family, you know, I've missed out on so many monumental things for so many other people because competitions and Olympics and world championships, like it always came first. And you always feel selfish, you know, in doing that. But it's, pretty much the only way to be successful, you know, in that way. So I am excited to be there, to um, be present, um, to be supportive and, and be return what so many people have been for me for so many years. Right now, 
my friend, you have an opportunity to offer yourself a piece of advice at this very moment, at this pinnacle changing point for you and your career looking toward what's next. What advice do you give yourself going into this new chapter? I think I tell myself, cherish these moments. I think so often I've just looked to the future so much. You know, I've looked at this moment, then I can take it in, then I can step back, I can enjoy it. And I just, even though, you know, I'm going to be working hard and I have a lot of things that I want to do, I want to enjoy it. I want to enjoy the process. I want to enjoy my family. I don't want to look back and feel like these moments escaped me. So I would just say, slow down, take it in, enjoy it. Are you having a hard time with the shift of letting go of doing everything that you used to do? I think I will. I think it's like, you know, it's very new at this moment. And I've been kind of nervous about just like what that will feel like. And I've talked to a lot of different friends. And so I've tried to just, you know, prepare for it. But I imagine that it'll be challenging. You know, it's like you're losing something that you've loved and done for the last 20 years. And I know I'm going to miss it. And so um, I imagine that it's going to be challenging over the next you know, year as I kind of settle into a new phase of life for me. But I have so much gratitude for everything that it's been. And I think that if I didn't feel some type of way, I think that's just an expression of you know how much I, I loved it. I know you're good friends with Candace Parker. And when I was listening to the two of you talk on uh, your podcast, I was thinking about just that right now as a woman who loves celebrating other women, it does feel as though like there is a graduating class of just like elite stellar athletes that we have all had the opportunity to follow and watch for so long. So I'm sure that although that transition will be challenging, that you have some good company along the way. Absolutely. And company that I can call on, company where we can support each other and company that inspires me. I think what's really cool is everybody is doing really neat things in a lot of different spaces. And so we're not stopping anything. We're just kind of shifting into new roles. Definitely. Well, Allison, I'm so glad that we were able to make this happen today. I'm so grateful for your time. I'm so excited for Sage 2, and I can't wait to get my hands on a pair. How do the hurdlers follow along with you? How do they keep up with you going forward? Give us the details. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can definitely follow um, Sage.com, um, everything there. And then me on social, I'm just Allison Felix. Um, and uh, on social, Sage is by Sage. And yeah, I'd love to, for you to keep up on the journey. <laughs> I love it. I'm over at Emily Body at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.